Hello, my friends. You're listening to Repent and Believe podcast with Cynthia Smalls of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here we talk and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fast and God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I'd like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks guys. Hello everyone. This is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How's everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You beloved are to never give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, my friend. Listen, what does the Bible say about sin and judgment? Yep, we go in here today. You want to know why? The hour is short. We must never forget that Christ Jesus is on his way back. And he wants me to tell the people that when he returns, he shall have his reward with him. And he will give to every last single person according to the fruit of their doings. So in order to not receive his judgment, we must know that the wages of sin, yes, even for those in the body of Christ, the wages of, of sin is death. Eternal separation from God, from the Son and His glory in this lake of fire. Because many keep claiming that nothing they can do, nothing. Whether or not they do not adhere to Jesus' teachings, whether or not they do not remain abiding in Him, they believe that they can, in fact, because of God's grace, live however they want and that no man can snatch them out of Jesus' hand. Their salvation is secured and they have eternal security. They didn't get that term right there from the Bible. They got it from the wolf pastor. Now, of course, we do see in Scripture that Christ will give us eternal life. The problem is, who was he referring to about him giving to those eternal life? Because, right, Holy Spirit, this is where we have 
today's problem. So, Hebrews 9, 27 to 28. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Amen. So are you eagerly waiting for him? Because beloved, guess what? There are some in the body of Christ who claim the name, who love to hype up God's grace. Well, guess what? They are not really, truly, eagerly waiting for Jesus. You want to know why? Because they know they ain't living right. Oh, they put on a good show. But behind closed doors, they know they are living dirty. So, what does the Bible say about sin and judgment? Well, here we go. Before coming to Christ, before being filled with his Holy Spirit, all of us are sinners. There are some realities about you that the Bible does not want you to miss. Mm-hmm. Number one, now again, we talking about before Christ, right? Because this is the state of humanity before repenting and coming to Christ. Number one, you are a sinner. And this includes me. Number two, if nothing is done about your sin, about your sin problem. Now, when I'm talking like this, I'm not just pointing a finger at you all. Myself is included in this. I'm just reading it, reading this from my notes. Okay. Like I said, number two. If nothing is done about your sin problem, you will have to face judgment with no one helping you. Mm -mm. Number three, Christ Jesus has sacrificed himself for the sins of many. If you are willing to trust him for that, then you shall have eternal life. Up until the time that Jesus died on the cross, sacrifices for sin had to be made in the temple over and over and over again. Why? Because the Bible says that the blood of bulls and goats does not wash away sins. Mm-mm. And these animal sacrifices never stopped. You want to know why? Because sinning went on and on 
and the perfect sacrifice was never made. But when Jesus Christ came, he brought the perfect sacrifice himself by his atoning death. He opened the way towards real and lasting forgiveness. Study Hebrews 10, 12 to 14. Without Christ Jesus, people do all sorts of things to lessen or erase guilt. They try to live good lives. They try to compensate for the times they did wrong or they or they busy themselves with making merit or they kill their conscience and totally surrender to sin. All of this is in vain, beloved. Listen, people cannot escape sin and judgment on themselves. But guess what? Good news. Forgiveness. Whoever is in Christ has received forgiveness. Romans 8, 1, right? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But guess what? This condemnation, this, this no condemnation is for those in Christ who walk not after the flesh but who are walking in the spirit. That means you are listening, following, and obeying Christ Jesus. That's what it means to walk in the spirit. The fear to be found guilty is then gone in its place. An eager longing to see Christ is born into the hearts of those who trust him. Christ, listen, Christ will not come back to point to the problem of their sin again. He took the guilt and replaced it with his own purity. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us he made Christ who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that in him we would become the righteousness of God. That is, we would be made acceptable to him and placed in a right relationship with him by his gracious, loving kindness. Amen. So, beloved, listen, okay? We can't keep playing with our salvation. You want to know why? Jesus is playing no games. It is either repent or perish. There are only two destinations once he snatches us up out of these body suits. It is either heaven 
or hell. That's it, beloved. So we got to get some stuff straight today. Namely, the verse over there in John 10, because this is where those who keep claiming Jesus name and living a life characterized by sin, they believe that only, only that is required of us is that we confess Jesus as Lord and believe. But they fail to realize like my hand, beloved, in all of these lessons, rest assured, my hand is the first to be raised where it comes to this madness that we could live however we want and still get to go to heaven just because we made a confession with Christ, but there was no obeying Christ nowhere on the scene. And so this one verse over here in John 10 is the go-to. It is the go-to for the camp of one saved, always saved. Once I'm in the family, hmm, I'm always in the family, really. Because listen, this verse over here, when Jesus said, no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. That is so true. And that is a promise that is near and dear to us. This gives us, if you want to say, security about our salvation. It is a blessing, beloved, to know that we were once hell bound. But now that we are in Christ, receiving the free gift of salvation through repentance, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, he said, that one, no one, none of these false teachers with the high sounding nonsense, namely once saved, always saved, can snatch them out of my hand. You want to know why? Mm-hmm. Thank you, Holy Spirit. It's because we know Jesus' voice. We know and study his teachings. We have Holy Spirit who glorifies Jesus and bring to our remembrance all what Christ has taught. We ain't following any longer. In my case, personally, I am no longer following the bishop who carries false doctrine, not to mention living in corruption. Oh, I ain't doing it anymore. And I pray you too. So, if we think for one skinny minute that we could live a life of sin and claim this promise over here, that Jesus said no one can snatch us out of his hand. Well, the problem is, who was Jesus talking about? Because again, I can't stress it enough on the podcast. He was not talking to the ones who remain in their fornication their masturbation, all of their porn watching, 
slanderous, covetous, lying, disruptive, rebellious, obstinate, stick neck, stiff necked individuals who keep claiming the name but are not obeying Jesus. Because when we believe in Jesus, we obey. Believing is directly tied into obedience. Because if you if you are following someone, then you are listening to them. You are being taught by them and you will obey their commandments and teachings. That's why we are called followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We follow him and his teachings. So if we are ever in a fellowship and someone is teaching contrary to his gospel, the gospel, the one and only true gospel, then we know to avoid them, to withdraw ourselves. Because a lot of these apostates up in these corrupt mega churches, churches and local churches teach prosperity, teach only about grace and you believing. Where is the teaching on obedience? Otherwise, you're going to perish. And this is why the Lord is raising up his messengers with this one message. His message, repent or perish. That's it. Because when, when there's a change of the mindset, no longer do you want to indulge in the flesh. Because the flesh has been crucified with Christ. Remember Galatians 2.20 talks about how we no longer live that old man crucified with Christ. This born again life, this spirit filled and led life, we now live in this body. By the way, is still prone to sin. <laughs> Listen, if the right circumstance and if you are not truly on board with the Lord Jesus Christ, we will be tempted by what Satan has. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. We will not because Christ hasn't dealt with sin and is bondage and, and slavery. It is because we choose willingly, knowingly, blatantly, and, de and deliberately sin. We can't blame it on the devil. We can't blame it on this flesh. We can't blame it on sin itself because if you claim Jesus as your Lord and Savior, well, he abolished. The control and dominating authority and slavery and mastery that sin had over us. So we can't say, well, you know, oh, wretched man, I just can't help it. No, <clears throat> no. And if you are 
claiming that. And if you are living the old wretched man lifestyle with all of this back and forth, one day you're on fire for the Lord and then the next day you're back over here in the vomit. No, beloved. Christ has dealt with sin and its control. The Bible tells us in Romans 6, sin is no longer your master. So now the question becomes, then why are you sinning? The reason why you are sinning is because you want to sin. That's it, beloved. I'm not condemning you. I'm just laying out it is what it is. And this is why we must repent and stop the madness. Otherwise, we ain't going to make it. Beloved, listen. Okay, because I hate to keep breaking this to you, precious, but um, Christ was not referring to you. If you are living a life of perpetual, habitual sin, Christ was not referring to you about how no false teacher can pluck you out of his hand because you refuse to leave the bishop. Because see, the bishop, just like you, with all of that passion and lust going on in your lives, you rather hear all of these feel-good, tickling ear messages about how you can live just the way you are because Jesus knows your heart. He knows you ain't nothing but of the earth. So mm, just as long as you believe in Jesus, just believe, believe, believe. But then what about obey, obey, obey? What about listening and following and doing what is right and good in the sight of God because you love him? Where are those teachings? You ain't going to find that up in these apostate churches, not when the wolf got his eyes on your membership and your money. You ain't going to find it up in there. And so to ease your guilty conscience, you go up in these apostate churches with dirty, unclean hands and you and you drop your ducats in the buckets, believing that you now have God's favor because you keep listening to the wolf that godliness is gain. That if you bring God money, then then you will, in fact, receive his blessings and his prosperity. But then you go back home and you're still living in your filth. You ain't receive. Listen. Read the book of Proverbs. Read the book of Psalms. And you better be over there in the book of Revelation. Yes, I got the hammer out today too. Listen. We cannot live in wanton rebellion and expect to receive anything from the Lord. You are double-minded. So, not only that, <laughs> you live it in self-delusion. Beloved, listen, when it's wrong, 
I'm prompted by Holy Spirit to come on strong. We we need fellowship such as this in these last days because all one has to do is look at the state of affairs of this godless world. They are in a panic. They are in a panic and to calm the masses down, they pump up their they pump up their satanic entertainment to keep you at bay when they put in your face exactly what they plan to do with you. And because you don't want Christ like that only around pagan Christmas and pagan Easter, but the rest of the whole year, you are still attached to this world. Weekly, you attend some form of fellowship. Weekly, monthly, you keep dropping your ducats in the bucket. You believe that God is going to bless you anyway, and you know you are living unholy, ungodly, unrighteous. So, he ain't talking about you. You are living in self-delusion to even think for one minute that we can continue to live a haughty mess unto the Lord and still inherit his kingdom? Uh-uh. Listen, John 10, because these are they that are truly Jesus' sheep. Let's pick it up in verse 24. So the Jews, right, surrounded Jesus and began saying to him, how long... Are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are really the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed, tell us so plainly and openly. Jesus answered them, I have told you so. (laughs) He's like, I told you. You ain't listening. You want to know why you're not listening? Well, he's about to tell us. He says, well, I have told you so, yet you do not believe the works that I do in my father's name testify concerning me. They are my credentials because these Jews, these Pharisees, they were always asking Jesus to give them a sign, show them, show them, give us a sign who you are. And he's like, I've already given you many signs. The works that I've been doing are are my credentials. And what were the works Jesus was doing right in their sight? Casting out demons. No man has ever cast out a demon before Christ walked the earth. Healed the sick, opened the eyes of the blind, raised the dead back to life, healed, opened up stopped ears, healed the woman who had an issue of blood for what, over 18 some odd years? He healed the man who was was lame in his feet for over 38 years, 
open the eyes of a blind man who was blinded since birth. No one were doing these things before Christ showed up. So that alone, <clears throat> that alone testified about who he said he was. He is the Messiah. He is God in the flesh walking on the earth. But they didn't believe Jesus. They refused to believe him. So he says in verse 26, but you do not believe me. So you do not trust and follow me because you are not my sheep. See, Jesus is giving the criteria about the one who is his sheep. Not only do they believe in him about who he say he is, <clears throat> but that they hear his voice and they listen to him. He says in verse 27, I know them and they follow me. This, beloved, is Jesus' true sheep. So now the question becomes, are you listening to his voice? Are you following him? Do you trust him? Or do you only have a pseudo relationship with him? Oh, you know of him. You know that he, he died for the sins of the world. You do know that he was buried and rose again on the third day. Oh, you know all about him. But do you trust him enough to surrender completely your life? over to or are you lukewarm carnal part-time like what you doing beloved so when he says over here in verse 28 of John 10 and I give them all who he just described that are truly his sheep he said I give them eternal life and they okay, will never by any means perish. So if you want to talk about quote unquote eternal security, if you will, it is for the one who remains abiding in Jesus, never leaving him, never forsaking him, never just, you know, on, on the pagan Christmas. All right. The Savior is born. And then and then you indulge in all the paganistic rituals that goes with that demonic day of worshiping Satan. Yes. So he says they will will how he say it will never ever by any means perish. And no one will and no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. Now, who is this individual or perhaps people that Christ was saying that they will never snatch my true sheep out of my hand? He's talking about these false teachers because keeping John 10 
and context is about false teachers, hirelings, wolves, who, who cares nothing about the sheep. They don't listen to him. They don't, they don't obey him. These false teachers teach as doctrine their traditions and commandments, making the word of God of no effect. We don't listen to them. That's strange teachings. That's a strange voice. Uh-uh. Because you can't, well, not now you can't, but you can't tell me on any day of the week that I get to stay in my sin and still get to go to heaven because all I got to do is just believe, but I don't have to obey and that I can rest assured that I could never out God's grace because apparently to the, the foolishness, because Paul even dealt with this, this, this same absurdity that if I continue to sin more, well, then I, I, I don't know where, no, I know where they get in this from Satan himself and his demons. But that in order to prove just how wonderful and loving God is about his grace. Well, you know what? Keep on sinning and watch God's grace abound more. Like, I don't want to do that to, to, to see his grace abound more. What about if I walk in obedience? What about if I actually listen, follow, and obey Jesus? Because he says that this is what brings glory to the Father when we remain in him. Not with, not if we continue to sin more to see who's going to win the race, our sin or God's amazing grace. <laughs> Thank you, Holy Spirit. Beloved, I'm... I'm Whew, please, please walk circumspectly. Think about what Christ has done for you. Think about how he suffered. Think about the blood that was poured out for us. Think on those things. Keep your mind. Keep your focus on eternity because beloved, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here to point us over to Matthew 22 mm -hmm, verses 1 to 14. Now, listen, Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and he sent his servants to call those who had previously been invited to the wedding feast, but they refused to come. Hmm. And then he sent out some other servants saying, tell those who have been invited, look, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened calves are butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention. They disregarded the invitation, treating it with contempt and went away. One to his farm, 
another to his business, the rest of the invited guests seized his servants and mistreated them, insulting and and humiliating, humiliating, how come I can't get this out, humiliating, anyway, and killed them. Mm Mm-hmm. So, if we read between the lines, Christ Jesus is giving us what happens when he sends out his messengers and prophets to tell the people the good news. A wedding feast has been prepared. Come all, come one, come all. But everybody has something to do. They persecuted these messengers and and prophets. They gave them great opposition. They even killed a whole bunch of them. And the madness is continuing. So listen. Where we at? Verse 7. And guess what? The king was enraged. Here he here he is preparing this this great feast for his son the lord jesus christ he he sent out those to preach the gospel calling men to repentance telling them in essence if you don't turn you're going to burn but the people was like, nah, you know what? Thanks, but no thanks. I got to get back to my farm. I got to get back to my business. I got something to do. The king was enraged. And when he heard this, he sent his soldiers and destroyed those murderers and burnt their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Hmm. Was he talking about Israel? Because see, beloved, the gospel this this good news about how God was going to take out that that stony heart and put in a new heart, a, a, a flesh heart that is tender and moldable and teachable that will love him without having to keep the law. It was preached. It was preached to them first by I want to say Ezekiel and Isaiah, right? But they said, no, in essence, we don't believe this son you, you, you sent. We don't believe in him. He ain't nothing but a mere man. Mm-hmm. And because of that, the Lord anger was in uh, the Lord's anger was Filled with rage. Yes. How dare you. Reject my Messiah. Okay. Okay. And this is why. The nation of Israel. Has a veil. Over them right now. Because they rejected. Jesus Christ. And murdered him. On the cross. And so. He burned down Jerusalem. Yes he did. So now listen, 
where we at? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so verse 8. What is this? Matthew 22. So now listen. Verse 8. Then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Mm-mm. They weren't worthy. So, this is what I want you to now do. Go to the main highways that lead out of the city and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. That's us Gentiles. Gentiles, because Israel rejected this invitation to the to the wedding feast. So, you know, so you know what happened? Will God open up the invitation to the many, to the nations? If Israel didn't want him, oh, there's going to be a people who did not have his covenant, who did not know him, who did not have his law. But guess what? These people, these pagans, these Gentiles, when they hear this good, great gospel, they will repent and follow my son. Yes, so here we are. Where we at? Verse 9. So go to the main highways that lead out. That lead out. I lost my place. Hold on. Right. That lead out of the city and invite them to the wedding feast as many as you find. Verse 10. Those servants. Mm-hmm. Those servants went out into the streets and gathered together all the people they could find, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests sitting at the banquet table. But when the king came in to see the dinner guests, he saw a man there who was not dressed appropriately in wedding clothes. And he said, friend, how did you come in here without wearing the wedding clothes that were provided for you? Mm. Beloved, could this be the cloak of righteousness? Do we have a counterfeiter in the building? Hmm, looks like it now, don't it? Because everyone, right? Let's say everyone is dressed in fine linen. The Bible tells us that represents the saints who have who have cleansed themselves, got themselves ready to meet the bridegroom. But the king is like, who's that? Who's that over there? Mm -hmm. Could it possibly be one of these claim the name but don't obey Jesus folk? Mm. So. He says, but when the king came in to see the dinner guests, he saw a man there who was not dressed appropriately in wedding clothes. And he said, friend, how did you come in here without wearing the wedding clothes that were provided for you? Hmm. And the man was speechless and without excuse. Then the king said to the attendants, tie him 
hand and foot and throw him into the darkness outside. Beloved, don't that sound like Revelation 2015? If your name has not been found written in the Lamb's book of life, you will be thrown into the lake that blazes with fire and brimstone. Listen, it tells us this is the second death. And here Christ Jesus giving us a spiritual truth in a parable. He said, tie him, tie him hand and foot and throw him into dark, into the darkness outside in that place. There will be weeping over sorrow and pain and grinding of teeth over distress and anger. Because guess what? Verse 14, for many are called, invited, summoned. That's why over there in Acts 17, 30 to 31, right? In times past, God winked at man's ignorance, but now he commands all men everywhere to repent. Why? Because he has set a day, a day in which he will judge the inhabited world in righteousness by a man whom he destined for that task. What task? To be the judge. And who is this man? Well, he gives us a clue because it says, and the credible proof is that he raised him from the dead. That could be no, none other than Jesus Christ. See? See why it does matter how we live? See? Why it does matter that we must live clean and holy and, 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 and make sure we purify ourselves, making sure we are ready to meet the King of glory. So verse 14, because he says, listen, for many are called, invited, summoned, but few are chosen. Amen. See, many are called, but few are chosen. Same thing the Lord tells us over here in Matthew 7, verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad and easy to travel is the path that leads the way to destruction and eternal loss. And there are many who enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow and difficult to travel is the path that leads the way to everlasting life. And there are few who find it. Amen. Same thing he just finished saying over here in Matthew 22. Verse 14, many are called, many are invited, many are called to repentance, and many will say no. And those who say yes initially, and by the way, are in fact filled with his spirit, but then they got themselves tangled up again 
and enslaved by sin all over again. And some have fell away. They left Jesus Christ for what? The world. And this is where I be getting these inspired thoughts from Holy Spirit that the Lord means business about his gospel and about his self-sacrifice on our behalf. And if we, beloved, trample underfoot the Son of God and has considered unclean and common the blood of the covenant that, that sanctified us, and if we insult the spirit of grace who imparts the unmerited favor and blessing of God, then my friend, our only expectation cannot be inheritance of the kingdom, but of divine judgment and the fury of a fire and burning wrath, which will consume the adversaries, those who put themselves, those who put themselves, I'm going to say it again, those who put themselves in opposition to God. Amen. I'm telling you all, we better stay face planted in Hebrews 10, 26 to 30, because all of this is in there. Look, verse 30. For we know him who said, vengeance is mine, retribution and the deliverance of justice rests with me. I will repay the wrongdoer. And again, the Lord will judge his people. Verse 31, it is a fearful and terrifying thing. To fall into the hands of the living God, incurring his judgment and wrath. Amen. See? See why I keep saying that Jesus is playing no games. And, and I say this respectfully unto the Lord my God. God ain't playing with that lake of fire, beloved. He, he ain't playing either. Listen, as a sidebar, y'all want to know what happens when the Lord gives a command and we do things our way instead of what he told us to do? Because one comes to mind and the, and the other, I'm going to share this commentary with you. But first, the Lord Jesus Christ commands us in John 8, 11. To go, comma, and sin no more. That comma means a pause. That means now that we are no longer condemned. No longer do we face God's holy, just wrath. After we come to Christ, we walk in obedience thereafter. Now that you are born again and spirit-filled, we ain't supposed to go on sinning. Am I talking about sinless perfection? Absolutely not. But, but what I am talking about is what my Lord is talking about. Striving to enter through the narrow door. 
not grieving and insulting his Holy Spirit. Walking, listening, and obeying Christ Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. And when we do what he commands us to do, how to love God with everything within us and to love our neighbors as we love ourselves, then we are not looking to live a life that is characterized by sin. And if by chance we miss the mark, well, we all know we have an advocate in heaven, Jesus Christ, that we come to him in godly sorrow, confess the sin. Yes, he is faithful and just. The father is faithful. He will forgive us and cleanse us with the precious blood of Jesus. And then going forward, we sin not. So, John eight twelve, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Amen. See, in Christ, we do not walk in darkness. Why? Because we have him. He gave us his Holy Spirit. So this is possible and doable to go and sin no more and actually live a life of love, peace, and joy, and righteousness in the Holy Spirit because that's the kingdom of God. Are you experiencing the kingdom? Is his righteousness your is your priority? Because Jesus says that's the priority over there in Matthew, what is it, 633, y'all? Something like that. See, now I got to go get it. Yeah, yeah. Matthew 633. So if that's not our primary focus, then we will be just like this godless, paganistic Christ-rejecting, sin-laden world with all of its superficial values. Their morals are darkened. They have no understanding of spiritual truth. They can't because they are not filled with Holy Spirit. Listen, all that we are talking about today sounds absolute, absolutely foolish to the ones who are not in Christ because Satan blinds the minds of those who are perishing so that they won't receive the glorious truth about how God has made a way for sinners to be made right with him when they, through repentance, put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ who died and was buried. And on the third day, God raised Jesus from the dead. Beloved, Christ is still alive. Sitting at the place of honor, the right hand of the Father in heaven, waiting to make his enemies his footstools. Because when he returns in flame and fire, he will take vengeance on them who rejects his gospel. Yes, eternal separation. So, 
I want us to listen to this article I came across because I heard someone say that that Aaron, Moses' brother, didn't inherit the kingdom. And I'm and so that got me to thinking more and more. So you mean to tell me these these powerful men in the Bible have some tragic endings to to what how how God has used certain individuals to get his will done in the earth only only to lose their soul I mean because see because see now I'm thinking about Solomon right as much oh in the beginning of Solomon's reign Oh, he followed the Lord so much. So he that praise and worship and sacrifice of all those animals. And the Lord was so moved by what Solomon did. He asked him, what do you want? And he asked for wisdom. Solomon, the Bible says that no man will ever be as wise as Solomon. And even Jesus gave him a huge compliment over there in Matthew 6 about how even the lilies of the field. Wait, see now I, I, I have to go get it because because he talks about he uh, talks about how Solomon wasn't even arrayed in clothing as these lilies of the field, and we know Solomon wore some beautiful clothing, and so. I'm not going to go over to it. I was I was going to go read it. But listen, I'm saying all this to say because I want to I, I want to get to this article because it's like when God uses a person to do such mighty things and only for them to end up not inheriting what he has for the people. Now, I don't know if they. If they are in hell, but I do know Moses couldn't cross over to the promised land. His brother Aaron couldn't do it. It's it's like, so that says a lot. Now, we do know that Moses and Elijah appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration with the Lord. So I don't think Moses is in hell. I, I don't know. All I know is that I don't want to go there and I'm praying for you too that we don't want to go there after all the oh after all the good works that the Lord have us to do only to lose our souls for what disobedience that's why Paul I'm I'm telling you see Paul had it together when he says that how he beat his body so that he himself don't become a castaway, having preached the gospel that he fall into sin and miss it. No. So listen to this. Okay. To this article I came across because I was like, that's just got me to thinking. So it says Aaron died on a mountain outside outside Israel because of his unfaithfulness to the Lord. 
Numbers 20, 23 to 29, narrates the events of Aaron's death. At Mount Hor, H-O-R, near the border, near the border of Edom, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Aaron will be gathered to his people. He will not enter the land I give the Israelites because both of you rebelled against my command at the waters of Meribah. Call Aaron and his son Eleazar and take them up to Mount Hor. Remove Aaron's garments and put them on his son Eleazar for Aaron will be gathered to his people. He will die there. Amen. So Moses did as the Lord commanded. They went up Mount Or in the sight of the whole community. Moses removed Aaron's garments and put them on his son Eleazar. And Aaron died there on top of the mountain. Then Moses and Eleazar came down from the mountain, and when the whole community learned that Aaron had died, the entire house of Israel mourned for him 30 days. Amen. So the verses 23 to 26 are the verses where the Lord gives instructions to Moses what to do. And verses 29, 27 to 29 describe what happened. In verse 24, the Lord explains why Aaron would not enter the promised land. Mm -hmm. Because both of you, Moses and Aaron, rebelled against my command at the waters of Meribah. Amen. And therefore, Aaron will die before the nation of Israel enters the promised land. In the remaining verses, verses 27 to 28, we read that what God has said would happen did exactly happen. Mm -hmm. And so things like this, beloved, okay, is what constantly frames my mind. If the Lord through Paul says the unrighteous will not inherit his kingdom. That is exactly what he means. There is no getting around it. There is no amount of false doctrine that will change his mind. He will never say, oh, you know what? Because you cast out demons, because you prophesied in my name, because you performed many miracles, you write, you know what? Come on, come on, come on, come on in. No. If anyone, saint or sinner, is living contrary to the word, none of us will inherit the kingdom, just like Moses didn't inherit the the promised land, he was not able to enter Canaan. Just like his brother Israel, I mean, just like his brother Aaron did not enter the promised land after all of them years in Egypt, coming through 40 some odd years through that wilderness and not to make it 
Because I'm quite sure sometimes he was praising the Lord. And then, uh, then another time he's down at the foot of the mountain fashioning out of gold, a golden calf. Beloved, we must obey faithfully, diligently, habitually. Yes. So what was the rebellion? So back to the article. So we've seen that Aaron died before Israel entered the land because of his and Moses rebellion. What was the rebellion? Well, Numbers 21 to 13 recounts what had happened. Once again, Israel grumbled and complained against God because they had no water to drink. We see this in Numbers 20 verses 2 to 5. Moses and Aaron took the people's complaint to the Lord. That's in Numbers 20 verse 6. And he told Moses and Aaron, speak to the rock before their eyes, before Israel's eyes, and it will pour out its water. We see this in verse 8 of Numbers 20. So Moses and Aaron gathered Israel before the rock, and Moses struck the rock twice with his staff. As a result, water gushed out and the community drank. We see this in verse 11 of Numbers 20. However, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, Because you did not trust me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. Amen. And that's Numbers 20, verse 12. This is why both Aaron and Moses died before Israel entered the promised land. Aaron in Numbers 20 and Moses in Deuteronomy 32, 48 to 52. Especially in verse 51 of, De of Deuteronomy 32 also gives the reason for Moses' death, which is that you broke faith with me in the presence of the Israelites at the waters of Meribah, Kadesh. And then it goes on to say, because you did not uphold my holiness among the Israelites. And that's the same reason as for Aaron's death. Moses and Aaron did not obey the law, the, the Lord. No, they did not obey the Lord. So, because in Numbers 20 verse 8, God told Moses to speak to that rock. He, he ain't said nothing about striking it. Listen. Time after time, we see this same pattern go down in the Bible. And it all, right, Holy Spirit, it all started in the garden where man rebelled against God's command. And when God says a thing is going to happen when you disobey, you can bet your last bottom dollar 
it is going to go down exactly as he said it would. He, he told Adam, the day in which you eat from that tree that's in the middle of the garden, you shall surely die. And what did the devil say? No, you won't. You won't die because you because God knows as if God was holding something back because God knows. Mm, mm, mm. And what happened? Because we know Adam didn't drop the bodysuit on that day because the Bible says he went on to live 930 years. So what did die on that day? Adam's spirit fell disobedience to God, just like Satan. And one third of those angels, he, he were able, he, he was able to convince them to rebel against God. Well, what happened to them? They too fell. You cannot sin in God's face and remain in his presence, in his love. Absolutely not. That's why in his love, because of who he is, he demonstrated his love toward humanity who who don't deserve it, who who didn't deserve it, send us a savior. So now if we receive Jesus and believe who he is and obey him as Lord, as well as receive him as savior, we shall not perish. What part of disobedience will lead one straight to a burning hell? Are we not understanding? We must obey Jesus. We must remain abiding in him. Otherwise, we'll be like the Moses and the Aaron's who who will not receive what was promised because all of these once savers believe that they will in fact receive all that was promised by God just because they make a confession but then there's no going comma and sinning no more in their lives listen Facts. Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ will not help any souls who end up in hell. He will listen. He will help them on the earth to repent, but they ignore his warnings. They love worldly things more than spiritual things. When they die without repentance, yep, they end up in a burning hell. Hell is a place where there is no mercy. Mm-mm. No grace, no love. All of that will be available to you while you are still alive, but not after death. Listen, death is final. Final. There is no repentance from the grave, beloved. So repent now. And don't play games with eternity. Listen, heaven or hell is your choice. What you do now determines your eternal destination. Mm -hmm. Your eternal destiny hangs in the balance. So choose wisely. Second Peter 2, 
20 to 22, okay? Because those who want to hype up God's grace and just poo-poo obedience and, and righteous living and, and, and holy living and repentance, they never want to talk about 2 Peter 2, 20 to 22, because see, for them, they keep falling for the madness about your past, present, and future sins have all been taken care of. So repentance in their twisted, depraved minds is a work. To them, it means working for your salvation. No, it doesn't. That's not what repentance is. Jesus tells us what repentance is. All we got to do is come over here to Luke 13, verse 3. He says, I tell you no, but unless you repent, change your old way of thinking, turn from your sinful ways and live change lives, you will all likewise perish. So, Tell me how that is working for your salvation. No, it's not. We know. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. Mm-mm. Nope. We know salvation, eternal life, it is by God's grace that we, that we are even considered to be in right standing with him. And it all comes through faith, not nothing we could ever done. It is a free gift if one receives it. How does one receive this amazing free gift? The Bible just told us it's, it's not of works of the law. At least any man should boast about it. Mm-mm. So how do we receive this? How are you able to have faith in the first place? To be able to place it in Jesus Christ to receive what he has done for you. Repentance. Salvation comes through repentance. Now that we are born again, right? There is an expectation on how we ought to live now. Not how we lived before, but now. And Jesus tells us, we are to live changed lives. Repentance is all about changing the way you think. No longer do you think sin is the big time fun that, that you can live in it and you won't be judged. Or at the end of the day, everybody gets to go to heaven. You, you think God is just some great grandfather up there in the clouds, just bestowing gifts and, and blessings upon people. But he, 
He truly, really don't expect for us to obey. He may want us to obey, but but he understands our hearts. He knows that that we are nothing but human beings. He he gets it. No. He he will never get sin. Absolutely not. So, as I was saying, 2 Peter 2, verses 20 to 22, because some believe that if a person does leave Jesus, it's because they were never born again. Well, that may sound plausible, but that's not biblical because all in these scriptures I'm about to give you all talks about those who are, were born again. Filled with God's spirit. These were not false converts. No. Because they keep saying, well, if, if the person falls away, well, that means they, they were never saved in the first place. No. I know that sounds comforting because that reasoning backs up your madness agenda about how you can live however you want and still get to go to heaven. No, it is doable. People fall away and many have and they are in hell right now regretting. So if they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing, see, we, we talking about a person who came out of the world. They got spirit filled. They knew the Lord. So, if they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and are overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would, listen, it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Now, to keep this in context, Peter was was telling us about these false teachers. They were on the right road, but because of the the greed and the love of money, they got off the right road and followed in the footsteps of Balaam, who earned money by doing wrong. They went after filthy lucre, and likewise, <clears throat> this is also applicable to us too. It says, of them, the, <clears throat> the proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit, <clears throat> excuse me, and a sow that is washed return to wallowing in the mud. So, listen. As followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, if we turn our backs on him, if we think he is playing that we can still be off in this world and you get so enmeshed and entangled, there is no more repentance. In some cases, the Lord will turn you over to a reprobate mind. There is no repentance. You don't even want to come back to the Lord. To the Lord, you are far gone. And and as a matter of fact, I met a woman a couple of days ago who said that 
she was a minister, but that she fell off and she just haven't haven't come back. Yeah, so it is true. Those who were saved to begin with, they can depart from the faith. They can wander away from the faith. They can swerve from the faith. They can abandon the faith. So, you know what, in the description, because my time has run out, I am going to put these scriptures, all 24 of them, to let us know that people leave Jesus all the time. Sad to say. But he also tells us. He tells us over here in John 15. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit. He takes away, and every branch that continues to bear fruit, he repeatedly prunes, so that it will so that it will bear more fruit, even even richer and finer fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have given you, the teachings which I have discussed with you. Verse four. Remain in me. And I will remain in you just as no branch can bear fruit by itself without remaining in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit producing evidence of your faith. Amen. And beloved, that's another tangent. Because if you say you have faith, because see, James broke it down for us. If you say you have faith, then where are your corresponding works of righteousness? Not works of the law. Not, not works trying to earn salvation. We, we are now past that. We are in the family. Okay? If you say you have faith, you say you believe in Jesus... Okay, well then, <clears throat> where is the changed lifestyle? Okay, where, where is it now? You can bring glory to the Lord by how you live. Like, how are you living? You keep saying you have all of this faith. I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. But you keep producing bad fruit. Where are the good works of righteousness, obedience, self-sacrifice. Where's that lifestyle? Because what you are presenting to us is a lifestyle that is characterized by willful, blatant, habitual sin. So back over here, John 15. Jesus says, just as no branch can bear fruit by itself, <clears throat> excuse me, without remaining in the vine, neither can you bear fruit producing evidence of your faith unless you remain in me. Amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Well, then that's the key right there. That's the answer why you are not 
producing fruit in keeping with your repentance is because you are not remaining in Jesus. You have, you have somehow broken yourself off from the vine because he says without him, without being in him, we can't produce this good fruit. He says, uh-huh, verse four, remain in me and I will remain in you just as no branch can bear fruit by itself without remaining in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit producing evidence of your faith unless you remain in me. Uh-huh. I am the vine. You are the branches. The one, listen, the one who remains in me and I in him, well, guess what? Bears much fruit. Fruit of what? Righteous, holy living. That's the whole premise of the parable of the Asoa. Uh, it's not so that if you bring God money that that he will give you 30, 60, and 100 fold return on the money you gave to the wolf pastor. No, once we hear this good gospel, what will show up in a person's life is righteousness. Some, as we grow spiritually, if we just hunker down and stay with Jesus, we will, we will yield a harvest of righteousness. Some 30, some 60. Some are going to go all the way with God and yield a hundredfold. A hundredfold of what? Money? No. No, absolutely not. We're talking about a life filled with his spirit, living clean, consistently living holy daily picking up that cross and following Jesus every day putting away any and all things that will tantalize that flesh not indulging in those things that does not bring honor to the father listen he ain't playing Christ Jesus, respectfully, ain't playing no games. No, he's not. Because he's saying over here, I am the vine. You are, verse 5, where we at? John 15. I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. For otherwise, for otherwise... Apart from me, that is cut off from vital union with me, you can do nothing. Amen. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, thank you for this word today. We must remain abiding in Christ Jesus so that we can bear fruits of righteousness, fruits of the Spirit. Spirit should be evidence in the life of your born-again child. Verse 6 of John 15 says, 
If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown out like a broken off branch and withers and dies. And they gather such branches and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Jesus is saying, Father, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, that is, if we are vitally united and my message lives in your heart, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified and honored by this. When you bear much fruit and prove yourselves to be my true disciples. Amen. I have loved you just as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love and do not doubt my love for you. If you keep my commandments and obey and obey my teaching, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Jesus says in verse 11, I have told, <clears throat> I have told you these things so that my joy and delight may be in you and that your joy may be made full and complete and overflowing. Amen. Father, we have these wonderful, precious promises. Now that Christ has gone to the cross, we have been set free from the bondage of sin. No longer is your just wrath upon us. Christ Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. You've accepted Jesus' sacrifice by raising him from the dead. It pleased you that he was smitten. Now that we are spirit-filled, we are to live clean and holy lives. Because Jesus just finished telling us that you are glorified and honored when we bear much fruit. Because bearing good fruits of righteousness proves that we are his true disciples because we keep and obey his teachings. And therefore, we shall remain in his love. And therefore, because we, thank you, Holy Spirit, because we obey and follow his teachings, no wolf pastor no man, no, no hireling can pluck us out of his hand. No one can take us away from Jesus Christ and his teachings, his sound doctrines. That's what we listen to, follow and obey what Christ taught. Thank you, Father, for understanding. Thank you for wisdom. 
Thank you for sound minds and and hearts that love you, that are willing to obey and follow and listen and be molded and fashioned into the image of Jesus Christ. Hallowed be thy holy name, Father. Thank you for this day. This is the day of salvation. That when we hear the preaching of the gospel, may men's hearts be pricked. And those who are in the body, may their hearts also be pricked. That if they are in fact living contrary to your word, that they repent, confess, get the blood bath, and going forward, sin no more. Help us, Father. Strengthen us to remain on, on the path that is straight and narrow, that leads to eternal life. Thank you that we are your chosen. Thank you for saving my wretched soul. You are goodness. Grace, mercy, kindness, loving kindness, compassionate. Thank you for saving me. And I pray for the saints that we hold fast to your word. Stick close to Jesus. We were hell bound. And yet... While we were yet your enemies, Christ died for us. May we live these born-again lives in complete appreciation and gratitude for what you have done for us. Bless your holy name, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray, amen. Amen. Come on, saints. Let's give God the glory. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. His glory. It fills the whole earth. Amen. Amen. Repent and believe. Stop sinning and turn back to God. Live clean, beloved. Live holy. Stick close to Jesus and know his voice, his teachings. Don't sit up under anybody that teaches you that you can take God's grace as a license to sin just because you've made a confession. The Bible is unanimous. We must live in complete obedience to the Father because that is how Jesus lived when he walked this flat earth in the body of a man. So we too walk as he walked. That's a commandment. It's not a suggestion. It's not whether or not you feel like it today because the world is calling you. Your flesh is calling you. You better put it all away. Moses learned the hard way. Solomon learned the hard way. Saul learned the hard way. 
the first king of Israel, Saul, oh, he learned the hard way. He did nothing the Lord told him to do. And look what happened to him. Aaron didn't listen. Who else in the Bible thought God was playing? And Adam, when the Lord gives a command and the consequence thereof, and we choose to willingly disobey, well, then don't be mad at the consequence. There is no excuse. And there will be no excuse on judgment day because Jesus says, said, I have told you these things before it happens. Amen. Amen. And Lord willing, until next time, I shall be speaking to you all soon. Bye for now. for tuning in. I truly appreciate all your support. Until next time, I'll be talking to y'all soon. Bye.